Thank you for that welcome this morning. Um, you know, when I became a Christian, I was only eight, 62 years ago. And my grandfather's choir was singing, and one man came up to give his testimony, and he said to the congregation, if Jesus Christ came back tonight, are you ready to meet him? And at that very moment, I asked Jesus Christ into my life and asked him to be my Lord and Savior. So I was only thinking about that as, as um, we came to this message this morning. And my heart is thrilled to be able to preach such a message. And the words that we find, no, oh, don't find. Um, you know, let's go back. That's right, the king is coming. Well, I'll need to read it. There we are. Verse 6. And he said to me these words. Revelation 22. These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours. With you, your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. The time is near. Now, John, who wrote this book, who had the unveiling, as it were, presented to him, and the, the visions that he saw are, are, are shown there in Revelations uh, tw from chapter 1 right through to, to chapter 21. And you find in here the epilogue. He kind of sums everything up. And John's here as a, a working, hewing out rock in, uh, in this little Isle of Patmos. He was banished there, 90, about 90 years of age. And God revealed his heart through Jesus at that time to him. And uh, he was in this island, five, I think approximately five or t six by 10 uh, miles long, barely barren but rock, and had freedom to move around it uh, in that island, but there wasn't much to see. And it was just off the coast of Turkey. And John was really moved as the Lord came to him and revealed his heart to him. And he, in the previous chapter, was describing the, the beauty of heaven. And his heart was moved with that. And as he comes to this last part, he, he brings to, uh, so uh, forcibly to us that the coming of Jesus can happen at any time. And are you ready? Are you ready? This coming of Jesus is mentioned, says Dr. John Wesley White, 1,854 times in the Bible. And in fact, it's mentioned seven times more, no, eight times more in the Bible concerning the second coming to the first coming. So it must be important. It is important. It's a wake-up call as we see Bible prophecy being fulfilled even in our days. And that word prophecy is predictions. What is about to take place? Now, you look at the news, you turn on the news, and sometimes I spoke to a young guy yesterday, he said, I hardly ever turn on the news now because it's always bad news. 
you turn on the news and you see the world is in upheaval, you see fear everywhere, and you get gripped sometimes with that fear when you hear bad news every day. Their moral and spiritual breakdown amongst peoples, nations, but also among leaders. You cannot really put your hand and say anywhere, as far as I know, of a good leader who's standing up really and presenting and proclaiming what he believes in Jesus Christ. In fact, there's a tremendous increase in knowledge. There's a worldwide ID system. If it's not already in place, it soon will be in place. And Michael Daniel Biometrics, security coordinator to the present, says a variety of new technologies will provide more protection and some will be biometric related. And biometrics is used as a, as a computer science as a form of identification and access control. So people, so people know where you are. People know the transactions that are taking place. There's increasing natural disasters, and you see that all around you. Famines, droughts, earthquakes. You see wars all around you. Persecutions, torture, killing, beheading Christians, as well as epidemics and disease. And the World Health Organization says recently the Ebola outbreak is the most secure, acute health emergency in modern times. Do you know a lot of that has been told about in the Bible, even the, the Israel going back to the land, which happened in 1948, and the false messiahs, I've even read one of them in Christianity Today this week, of a false messiah that is proclaiming, his people are proclaiming that he is the Christ. There's world government, people's desire for that. And the EU president, that's the European Union president, said this week, we have a global government right now, referring to the G20. Now, I want to ask the question, do these signs mean anything? Why has the Bible talked about this over two centuries plus? Now, the clear thing about Scripture is it's not talking about when it will happen. It's talking about who will come. It's the importance of being ready. In Matthew 24, you see Jesus says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testament to all the nations, and then shall the end come. Good news. Being spread throughout the world. So much, much more to do, but through internet and, and, and various other means of media that is happening today. Now, Jesus said, now when these things take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And the key word there, when these things begin to take place. And that was written at the time of Jesus and his disciples and they were told to get ready. How much more are we today? And we're tempted to conform to the spirit of the age. We see um, so much around us that's attractive and, and we like and we want to be involved and we want to be like them. And, 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 and there's so much that we could just get involved in. And the Bible says clearly, don't be conformed to the world, but be conformed to the image of my son, the Lord Jesus, Romans 8. Now you find here in uh, this these verses that I re read to you, that verse 6, the prophecy that's mentioned is authenticated by the angel, and then verse 7 is authenticated by Christ, and then verse 8 is authenticated by John the Apostle. Now, the book of the Revelation 
is a, is a, a call to attention. Somebody wants me to answer the door. It's a call to attention. Somebody wants me to answer the door. Uh, Revelation 3.20, Behold, says Jesus, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone open the door, hear my voice and open the door, I shall come into him and sup with him or have fellowship with him and he with me. When, you know, when there's a knock at my door at home or there's a telephone ring and my phone at home, I usually shout, forgive me, Anne, will you get it? For, will you get it? Now, she doesn't always get it. She'll say, you get it. But the thing is, we sometimes pass it over to other people. And Jesus saying here, I'm calling you, church. I'm calling you today to be ready. And I want to come in. And I want to have fellowship with you. But it's also a call to prepare. For he restates that he has a purpose for our lives. And it's also a call to expect, to live in that sense of expectancy each day of our lives. C.S. Lewis, whom I admire, an Englishman, by the way, says, when the author walks onto the stage, the play is over. This time it will be God without disguise, something so overwhelming that it will strike either irresistible love or irresistible horror into every creature. It will be too late then to choose sides. That will not be the time for choosing. It will be the time when we discover which side we really have chosen. Which side have you chosen this morning? Whether we realize that or not, we've chosen sides. Now today, says C.S. Lewis, at this moment is your chance to choose the right side call to attention, a call to prepare, a call to expect. I'm just going to look at uh, four distinct things this morning and briefly. The promise of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm coming and I'm coming soon. The personal return of Jesus Christ. He's coming himself. He's coming for his church. He's, the first Thessalonians 4 says he's coming to the air to receive his church. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive will be caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air. And he'll come to reign. He'll come as Lord. There's the preparation that we have to make for the return of Jesus Christ, and there's the potential of real life for you and for me this morning. So uh, briefly, the promise, he says, I'm coming soon. And the Bible totally backs that up. The focus is, is on who's coming rather than when he's coming. The Bible says Jesus will come, Matthew 24, 44. He'll come when you or I even will not expect him. There's a personal return, as I've mentioned this. He's coming, and his coming will exceed and transform our expectations. There's preparation, verses 8 through 11. He's coming soon, so where's the focus of your worship? John automatically fell at the feet of the angel because he saw such power. And the angel says, you're a fellow brother, fellow creation of man, like me. Worship God. 
Are you worshiping God this morning? Verse 10 tells us everybody needs to know that the end is near. There's no extension given to any of us, whatever our excuse. And we will read verse 12. We will receive what we are due. Deeds done in the body, body, things we have done on earth. What we've done with God. What we've done with His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 13, you'll notice that there's titles that God, Jesus, takes upon Himself. He says, I am Alpha and Omega. Now, Alpha and Omega are the Greek language of A to Z. Alpha, Omega. First and the last. And He says, I'm the first and the last. And he goes on to say that these titles of God are applicable to him. We will see him as he is. And he says, blessed, chapter 22, verse 7, blessed are those who, verse 7, keep, that is, listen and obey the words of this book. And then he moves on to 14, and he talks about being pure, really meaning you are forgiven, yes, but you expect it to keep pure to continually cleanse by confession of sins. Verse 14, and you've got all this written down in your bulletin, but verse 14, identification with Jesus Christ gives you the right to heaven. Do you know that? Not just you saying, I believe in Jesus. The devil believes in Jesus. It's being identified with Jesus Christ and saying, he is my Lord and my Savior. I become a disciple of his. A disciple means I'm a follower of his. It means I'm an imitator of his. I am totally sold out to Jesus Christ. Are you? Am I totally sold out to Jesus Christ? Am I identified with him? Verse 15, identification with Satan and his antichrist. That is the person who will be revealed in the latter days who anti means against Christ. He seeks to counterfeit everything that Jesus is and does. And if you're identified with, identified with Satan, it says there'll be eternal separation and judgment. See, what that really basically means is character, my character, your character matters to God. Now, many today in our society and culture are desensitized to the sins described in verse 15. It says, outside of the dogs. What does that mean? It basically means people of low character. Magic arts, that's horoscopes, astrology, demonic worship, occult, witchcraft, so many other these things. Sexually immoral, promiscuous lifestyles. Promiscuous lifestyles. Before marriage, after marriage. Woman to man, man to woman, man to man, woman to woman, promiscuous lifestyles, pornography, what you do in your secret is seen by God, murders, the sanctity of human life is important to God from conception to the grave, idolaters, our idols. This is not good news for those of us who are not identified with Jesus Christ. Our idols, things, people, religious activity that takes priority over Jesus Christ. And no wonder the Bible says over and over again, 1 John 5, 21, keep yourselves from idols. 1 Corinthians 10, 14, my dear friends, flee from idols. And society, and even we can be immersed in that as looking to those idols that we see on the uh, TV screen, that we see in the movies, 
the, the music idols. We look to them for example, role models, and discover that many of them are, are empty, unfulfilled. See, many today live for today. No hope for tomorrow. In fact, if they romanticize their yesterdays, the Beatles who came from Liverpool, England, says, I believe in yesterday. The Bible is quite clear that when we repent of our sins, believe the gospel, we are to become followers of Jesus Christ. We are God's possession completely. Anything or anybody that takes the place of God, receiving what he alone deserves, is an idol. And so I have to ask, examine my relationships. Have I made a relationship an idol? I've got to examine that some things that are even legitimate, like um, iPhone, iPad, so on. Things that are legitimate, have I become addictive to them? Like TV, have I become addicted to them? Movies, have I become addicted to them? Now, it's challenging when you mention iPads, iPod, uh, iPhones, because I've got them too, and I'm not innocent in that area either. Very addictive. But am I making an idol? We're commanded to be his disciples. Now, I come to the, the, the last point, which is a wee bit longer than the rest, but it's so important for you and for me. There's so much in there. That's why I give you quite a bit of notes in the bulletin. But there's a potential for real life for all who will trust Jesus Christ and realize that in the light of his soon return, we need to be ready. And people, as they look for meaning, often turn to those who proclaim, proclaim that they have meaning. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, as he was being, just prior to being hung by the Nazis, said this, which a lot of them didn't understand, but he said this, this is for me the beginning of life. He saw the life to come as more important than the life he was living. Do you? I want to live this life for as long as I can. I don't want to die tomorrow. But every everyone's time is allotted by God. He says that quite clearly in Scriptures. And you'll not go before your time. But the best is yet to be. The best is yet to be. God has much in store for each of us as we allow him uh, to be Lord of our lives. Four things I leave you with regard to this. Receive his testimony. He says in verse 16, you receive his testimony. That's, in the Greek, that's plural. Everybody, receive his testimony. I am the offspring of David, the very root of David, and the offspring of David. He's basically saying, David came from me. I am God. But I'm also the offspring. I am human. I'm the God-man. I am both totally God and totally human. It's a big subject itself. But he was making it clear right in the last chapter and verses of the Bible that people knew who he was. He says, I'm the bright morning star. Dr. Michael Wilcox says, he heralds the dawn of eternity. J.C. Ryle, a, 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 a theologian of about a couple of hundred years ago, says, you were placed here to train for eternity. Receive his testimony, says John. But then he says, respond to his call. And he says two things. We've got to respond to his call through 
the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent with Father and Son. We cannot demean the Holy Spirit's authority and power to work in our lives and in the life of our church and in the life of our family. Respond to His call. And it says, the church is saying, come, as well as the Spirit. Now, I gave you, and I'm not going to, well, no, no. Uh, Kristen, Kristen Powers, you'll find his, te- I don't read it now, but later on, read her testimony. And she was a Fox News analyst, and written for a number of newspapers, correspondent. And she talks about how the hound of heaven, God himself, Jesus Christ, came after her in relationships where she was totally atheist and moved in circles that were totally atheist and how God moved after her and claimed her for his own. You know, respond to his call. Are you responding to his call? Have you responded to his call? Verses 18 and 19 tells us to respect his warning. Believer, friend, Christian friend, non-Christian, non-believer friend, how many times has God spoken to you? Through the Bible, through people, through circumstances, how many times has he spoken to you? Have you disrespected his warnings, diluted his advice, denied his reality, disobeyed his commands? Reflect on his grace. Verses 20 to 21. Oh, what can I say about that? Reflecting his grace. I, we had, Anne and I had the joy of just recently having a friend from England called Anne Kilner. Jim Kilner, her husband, when I was a pastor in 1983 in the Bournemouth area, I had the joy of kneeling with this lawyer guy called Jim who never previously had come to church very much, but had come in the recent days and acknowledged that there was something happening in this church that kind of was out of the ballpark as far as his life was concerned. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He said this prior to his baptism. I responded to the call of Jesus Christ some six months ago. It has been a most wonderful experience. Prior to becoming a Christian, I often thought there would be a lot to lose without gaining very much. Nowadays, I can hardly believe that. There has been nothing but gain, not in the material sense of the word, although he says, though in some sense God is blessing us for some reason, but in the sense of a real meaningful gain, there is real purpose to life. Instead of a hollowness, In life, there is a rich fulfillment in serving my Savior, Jesus Christ, in everything. With his teaching, I'm trying to be more like him, but there's a long way to go. Patience is needed. All that others would respond to his call. I'm so thankful he called me and that I answered. What would I do without him? What could I do? Nothing. But with him, everything. What a gift. And after Jim had gone home and told his wife, his wife realized, Anne realized she wasn't a Christian and the joy of kneeling with Anne as she gave her life to Christ. And she says, prior to her baptism, I've been a Christian for only a short time. I keep asking myself, have I changed? The answer is, with the Lord's help, I hope I have. 
I know my husband Jim has changed. This is only the beginning. I don't know yet what the Lord has in store for me, but maybe in the near future I shall find out. After a successful career as a lawyer, senior partner in two law firms, he sensed a call in later years to be a pastor. Last year at this time, at the age of 63, he was diagnosed as having cancer suddenly, without any warning, telling him to prepare to die. And he died at age 63, ready to go home to heaven. His wife, Anne, who was staying with us recently, said these, these last words were this, God is good. God is good. God is good. A man who had everything came to realize that Christ is everything. Romans 8.38 says, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor height, or sorry, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet God? It was a special day in 1983, 1960, 1953, sorry, and the Queen Elizabeth was being crowned king. Crowned queen, sorry. <laughs> crowned queen. And she heard these words from the Archbishop of Canterbury. I give thee, O sovereign lady, this crown to wear until he who reserves the right to wear it shall return. And Queen Victoria, I think a great-grandmother, used to express her desire to, to be alive when the Lord Jesus came back. And, and they asked her, why do, you, why do you desire that? He said, I would so love to lay my crown at his feet. You know what Philippians 2 says? God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of Father, God the Father. Receive his testimony today. Receive it. Respond to his call. Respect his warning. Come acknowledge. Come acknowledge that he has potential for your life. A missionary friend of ours called Elaine, and I put this in the bulletin, said, my Lord, my life is a blank check. Only you know how much it's worth. She lived in Wisconsin. She says she now serves the Lord in Northern Ireland, but she also served in Pakistan. She says, Lord, all that matters is your signature on it. Without your signature, it's worth nothing. So here it is, Lord. Here is my life. Please sign it and cash it whenever, however you want to. I conclude with this this morning. George V was about to visit a seaside resort called Weymouth in Dorset, England. The whole town or city 
had banners and flags, and they were all waiting in anticipation. There's such a sense of excitement because the king had never visited before. And there's a man out in the fields working, a poor man, poor because of the fact that everybody else had given up and, and a public holiday and, and gone, gone to the city. But he had to work. And a coach, one of these carriages, came along. And some men came out of that coach as it stopped. And they said, why, why are you not in the city? He said, I'm too poor. And he explained his circumstances and everything else. And one of the men stepped forward. He says, you didn't come to greet the king, but the king has come to you. The king has come to you. And I want to say that this morning. Perhaps you're not feeling like greeting the king. Perhaps your life has been kind of pu pushing the king to one side. The Bible's quite clear the king is coming. But he has come already at Bethlehem, and he's returning. And you have an opportunity this morning to get right with God and to do it now. My Christian friend, you have a right, a, an opportunity to say, I've been living a life that has been so self-centered and not God-centered. I've lived a life that has put Jesus Christ to the, oh yes, I'm a believer, oh yes, I know Jesus, but I've never allowed him to be Lord of my life because there's so many things going on in my life that I want that. And I don't want him to interfere too much. You know, I've got bad news for you, friend. When Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he expects to fill your life to overflowing. He doesn't want to come to every room and you say, well, keep out of the kitchen or keep out of the, the, that room or that room. He said, I want to come into every room. Why? Because he wants to exalt Christ in your life. Christian friend, will you allow him? Husband, father, grandfather, great-grandfather, grandson, child. Will you allow him this morning to be Lord? Someone has said, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. How true that is. Will you allow him to be Lord this morning? And my dear friend, if you don't know Jesus, Jesus has come to know you. He wants to know, he knows you intimately, but you don't know him. And in that meeting, as I explained about Jim and Kirsten Powers and others, Jesus comes and you are adopted into his family forever. So just bow our heads just for a moment. If God is speaking to you this morning, don't allow these moments to go past. In the old words, Jesus, I will trust you. You can say these words. Jesus, I will trust you. Trust you with my soul. I'm guilty. I'm lost and helpless. But you, only you, can make me whole. Give him your life. Speak to someone here. Tell somebody that you've come to know Jesus Christ. My Christian friend, don't just have the title Christian. Have the title disciple, follower, imitator. Oh, may God, gracious God, this morning, 
I pray that by your Spirit you will move upon this congregation and upon those listening over media. And I pray, O oh God, that by your Spirit you will move in such a way that men and women, boys and girls, will never be the same again. I pray that our hearts and our lives, whether we're a missionary or a pastor or a, a teacher, whether we've been going to church all our life, whether we're this or that, or just realize that we're poor sinners needing the grace of God. Father, 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 gracious God, see us as we are and receive us to make us your sons and daughters. And if we love you and know you already, may we give you priority in everything. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the abiding fellowship of God's Holy Spirit be with you now and always. And Jesus is coming again. Amen.